our, I think I'm on, our mandate as Christians is to tell the world about Jesus. But we don't start there. We start with those who are around us. And then we start with those who are a little further out from our circle. And a little further out. And a little further out until the ends of the earth have been reached. But folks, as a church, both locally and universally, we're not doing it. We are... disobeying Christ. And today's message is about true faith and what accompanies true faith and what comes out of that. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of James. We're going to continue with our series. And as you turn there, I want to tell you a little story about a Christian man who went on a safari. We're going to call him Al. No relation. When he was there, he found a huge lion. And the man didn't have a gun, and there was no way he could outrun the lion. So he did the only thing he could do. He got on his knees and he prayed. Dear God, I was always a good Christian. Will you perform a miracle and give this lion some Christian feelings? Well, at that moment, the clouds parted and a beam of light came from above and touched the lion's heart. It was visible. And the lion stood up on his hind legs and raised his paws to the heavens. And he spoke in English. And he said, thank you, Lord, for this meal I'm about to receive. (laughs) You see, true faith is always accompanied by true works. Always accompanied by true works. We're back in the book of James today, and it was written by the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, written in the early 40s, that is, the 40s, not the 1940s. He wrote to primarily Jews who were Christians, as at this time it was so early in Christianity, that's basically all the Christians were. Um, It hadn't really reached out to the Gentiles. Uh, James encouraged his readers to live consistent Christian lives in the midst of of persecution for their faith in Christ. James chapter 2, verse 14, and we'll go through 26 today, hitting the high points. It says, What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, But you do not give him the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James, can you turn me down just a little bit? I hear a ringing. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that true faith comes from you. You said you have dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Lord, we ask that you would help us, Lord. As the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Let our beliefs move us, God, to the command that you have given us to share you with those around us. Lord, put a burden on our heart as a church to tell the gospel. Put a burden on our heart as Christians to tell the gospel. And God, we will praise you all day long for it. In Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. Amen. True faith, coupled with works, overflows with God's love in meeting other people's needs. True faith, coupled with works, overflows with God's love in meeting others' needs. First of all, true faith meets needs. It really does. James chapter 2, verse 14, remember, it says, What does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Have you ever met anyone? They're a big talker. They talk big, but there's no action behind it. They can talk all day long, but you know deep down there's nothing going to happen. I'm sure you have. There are lots of people out there like that. They're everywhere. And a lot of them are used car salesmen. I'm just joking on that. If some of y'all have used car salesmen, I'm, I'm just kidding. Maybe we can talk about a deal after... No, I'm kidding. You ever met someone who could talk a good Christian talk, but their actions tell you completely a different story? Yep. There are plenty of those people out there, too. And some of them are even in full-time ministry across our country. Even across the globe. Our scripture starts by asking a simple question, which can have a very big answer, a very verbose answer. What good is faith if it has nothing tangible to back it up? What good is faith if you say you have faith? What good is your faith if there is nothing tangible to back it up? Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 11, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice that in Jesus' world, those that are His, belong to Him, are salt and they are light. Notice I didn't say they are salty nor lit. That's, that's not what we're talking about. That's a joke. You'll get it later. Let's not get confused. Did you know that salt, when you buy it in the store, it's pure salt. So it completely dissolves, right? But during this time, they didn't have pure salt. It was usually mixed in with other minerals or rocks. But most often, salt and lime, they, those were the ones that were intertwined. So when humidity would happen, the salt would literally leach out of it, leaving behind whatever it was mixed with, most often lime. So the salt that you would buy during this time could lose its saltiness, its flavor, and it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. What is the purpose of salt? What is salt? No, I'm not going to get into the the hydrochloric... uh, Yeah, we're going to stay out of that. But salt is a seasoning, isn't it? It makes things taste good. I don't know about y'all, but I like salt in my food. Not a lot, because you can put too much in there, but I like salt in my food. Well, what else is salt used for today? Well, for a number of things. Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind at this time of year is if you're a northerner, you can salt the roads in the winter to keep them from icing up. I'm not a northerner, so thank God I don't have to worry about that. Salt has a purpose, doesn't it? It has a purpose. It adds flavor. It does a work. There's a work associated with salt. How about light? You need light to see in the pitch black, don't you? Or you do what I did one morning and stub your toe and then it's black and blue for a week. That hurts. We need light. Without light, you could could really hurt yourself. You wouldn't light something and then cover it up, would you? Would you put something over that light after you've lit it? Think of a candle. Would you, would you light that candle and then put a big basket over it so you can't see out? Well, no, you wouldn't. Because to do so would defeat the purpose of the light. The light is doing a work. What is its purpose? So that you can see what is around you. Light has a job. It has a work that it accomplishes. Folks, so does the true Christian. So do you. So do I. True Christians are moved by faith to do true works out of love. Jesus said that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. For Jesus, works are just a part of living in true faith. It's a part of being a Christian. And James now gives us some examples to look at back in James, chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm, be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You are not called to be a pew warmer. 
You are called to spread the gospel. Just as the fruit of the Spirit isn't something that's worked up in us, well, neither are true works. They're from the Holy Spirit changing us. Which for the Christian is true acts of worship. Did you know that? True works are true acts of worship. Those true works come from a changed life, a changed heart. Come from faith. Faith is a natural outpouring of our lives in Christ. And with that faith comes works because we are moved by His love. When we look at faith, it is impossible to look at it apart from works. You know, a lot of times, if we look in the book of Hebrews, and, you know, a lot of people say, uh, Paul didn't write it. I say, yes, he did. Hebrews chapter 11. What do we call that? We call it the Faith Hall of Fame. In it, Paul gives us a number of examples of faith. Now, we're not going to look at all of them, but but here's a portion that I just want to read for you. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to skip over. But it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter, or verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. If they can do it without the promise of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, how much more should we, as Christians, be able to tell somebody about Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? This chapter of Hebrews is fantastic. And you know what? It's intimidating. You see, faith will motivate your actions, which God will empower for his service. I don't know about you, but I want to see true faith in the church today, like that of the Old Testament saints and the New Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles. You got someone who's sick? Go pray for them. If they get miraculously well, praise God. If they don't, then praise God. His ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
than your thoughts. A lot of people today won't even pray for healing anymore. They'll pray for comfort, they'll pray for blessing, but they won't pray for healing. Because that would mean stepping out in faith. You know what? I was in a church, Baptist church. I was the associate minister at the time. And a man who just started coming to church, he was going to have to have a, a, a stint put in or, or something in his kidney. Because apparently whatever they were messing with had one artery that went to the kidney to somewhere else. And I don't remember all the details. But I had asked for prayer. I asked for the elders of the church, according to the book of James, in the latter part of the book of James, to anoint with oil. And all of a sudden, all these people started coming down. The pastor was shocked. He had no idea there were so many needs in the church for healing. So we anointed with oil. The deacons and I prayed over each and every person. And you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't have faith like I should have. I said, Lord, I know you can heal them. But deep down, I really didn't expect the healing. This one man came back right before his surgery. They had to do another echo. Guess what? They found a second artery that wasn't there before. He didn't need the surgery. God grew an artery. You're going to tell me that's not the power of God? You're a liar. There's no way they could have missed that the first time the doctor said. They said it was a miracle. A lot of people today, they need a miracle. And the best miracle they could ever have is Jesus Christ changing their lives. You know that person you come into contact with daily, weekly, monthly, even yearly? Do they know you're even a Christian? Don't lose your salt or your light. Tell them about Jesus. Now that is a step of faith. You know, like Nike has a, a slogan called, just do it. Christians need the same slogan. Stop rationalizing why you don't do the right thing by telling people about Jesus and just do it. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, pastor, they might say no. Here's my response for you. It's real hard. You ready? And? You got another excuse? So what if they do? That's between them and God. You did what you were supposed to do, and you stepped out in faith. Pray about it, and then just do it. Prayer and action. Prayer and action. That's what it's about. Well, Lord, I, I don't want to go up to that young man or young woman. They got some weird-looking stuff in their ears and nose and mouth. And, and just do it. Well, Lord, I don't want to go talk to that person. They're clean cut and wearing a suit. And I got weird stuff in my ears and nose and mouth. And just do it. Got another excuse? True faith coupled with works overflows with God's love. True faith coupled with works overflows with God's love. James 2, 18 through 26 says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. 
Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In other words, it's no faith at all. In this section, James hits three types of people, and probably more, but I've narrowed it down to three. Those that think they're saved because they said a prayer but they have no fruit and no works of righteousness to back it up. Those that think they're good because they volunteer or do good works for others. The problem here is the same problem as the last group. They think they're saved, but they aren't. They may have works, but there's no fruit of the Spirit being shown. And the third group is the group that are saved. They are the Christians. Salvation by faith alone and Christ alone, which shows itself through fruit of the Spirit, which manifests itself in good works. John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. First John, we just did a series on that. Chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, just as he walked. Galatians 5.16, we should all know this. I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. 
which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, meaning that is their life. That's who they are. But the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That is who we are. It flows out of us without us having to work it up because we know Jesus, we know the one who has made us new. He has regenerated us. And the Holy Spirit lives in the Christian by faith through grace. By grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just doing good works alone won't get you into heaven. Just believing that there is one God will not get you into heaven. Remember what James said, the demons believe and they tremble. A lot of people say, I know there's a God, but you live like hell all week. Good works, the fruit of the Spirit, and good works are a natural outflow of the one who belongs to Jesus Christ, of the one who is saved from hell, damnation. Good works come after salvation, folks, not before salvation. Why? Because before you're saved, all of your works will have a selfish component to it. They are not out of true altruism. They are out of your selfishness. Show me a rich altruistic person who is not saved and I will show you someone who is selfish. Heck, I can show you some people who are saved and they still do it out of selfishness. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. After you are saved, and the more you become like Jesus, the more good works you will end up doing. Not because you have to, or because you need to earn anything, but because God's love flows out of you naturally. The same is true of the fruit of the Spirit. There is one fruit with multiple tastes all mixed together. That fruit is produced in us as we come near to Him, near to Jesus. We just looked at that. A dead faith, folks, is no faith at all. A dead faith is exactly that. It is dead. Dead. Stop kicking that dead horse. It's dead. Bury it. A dead faith needs to be removed. And a true and living faith needs to be embraced through Jesus Christ. The hardest thing for us to do is to realize that we don't really know God. 
that our faith, as we call it, is dead. If you have absolutely no fruit, and you have absolutely no desire to help others because Jesus died for them, I question your salvation. You have absolutely no desire to share Jesus Christ. I question your salvation. Jesus said, return to the first things. What's the first thing? Salvation. In Christ alone, by faith alone. You know what the problem with self-deception is? You don't know you're deceived. You really don't. So how does someone overcome that? It takes each and every one of us asking God to show us if we are self-deceived. And trust me, I have prayed that prayer about different situations in different circumstances. Lord, am I self-deceived or have I been deceived by another? Am I even self-deceived in my salvation? And trust me, he is going to show you that answer. I guarantee it. If you seek him about that, he will answer you. Don't leave here today. Whether here physically or online, on your podcast, don't leave this sermon being self-deceived. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Luke eleven eleven says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Make sure that you know that you know that you are saved. Got a little illustration that really shows faith and works, I believe. An old Scotsman operated a little rowboat for transporting passengers. And one day a passenger noticed that the good old man had carved on one oar the word faith. And on the other oar, the word works. And curiosity led him to ask the meaning of this. And the old man, being a well-balanced Christian, and glad for the opportunity for testimony, said, I'll show you. So, saying, he dropped one oar and plied the other called works. And they just went around in circles. Then he dropped that oar, and he began to ply the other oar called faith. And the little boat just went around in circles the other way. This time... He put both in, and he started rowing with both of the oars. And guess what? They sped swiftly over the water, explaining to his passenger, you see, that is the way it is in the Christian life. Dead works without faith are useless, and faith without works is dead, also getting you nowhere. But faith and works pulling together make for safety, progress, and blessing. True faith, coupled with works, overflows with God's love and meeting other people's needs. True faith, coupled with works, overflows with God's love and meeting other people's needs. I'm about to get real with you, and some of you may be mad at me. But you know what? 